Today, we sit down with Janelle Pizarro, a pioneer in software engineering diversity, as she breaks down how she went from bartender to coder in a male-dominated industry that often lacked inclusiveness. Welcome to the Taking Your Time podcast. Hello, Time Hackers. I am so excited to have our guest on the show today, Janelle Pizarro. This is actually take two. We had some technical difficulties, but we're, we're going to make this work. So thank you for agreeing to be on the show today, Janelle. Hey, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> you know, when uh, we, we do know each other from outside of the show, and it's funny, but when I think of a unicorn, your image does always come to mind as being someone who's, you know, deep in design and usability, but also being a software engineer and very technical. And then on top of that, being a black woman in your industry is just something incredibly rare. And then, you know, not, not, not to pile on more, but really you ran a podcast, you run a leadership program, you volunteer in the community for Black Orlando Tech, for ODEVs. I see you all over social. So you're just doing an incredible amount of things and giving back a lot. So Thank you for that. And again, thank you for being on the show. I'm just like, this sounds like a different person. Like, I don't know who you're talking about. Oh, it's definitely the right person. I think I've got the right person. Okay. So, you know, it'd be great. I think the audience would love to kind of hear about your journey and how you got to where you are today and, you know, why you made the decisions, um, you know, along the way. Sure thing. So I kind of fell into tech by accident, mostly because I wanted a an application to be able to manage my makeup as a bartender and as a server. It is kind of mandatory if you're, you know, um, a woman uh, to wear makeup. Um, just you're just not going to get tipped if you don't wear makeup. And so there would be like lipsticks that I would get and I would have so many of the same lipstick because I would go to the store and be like, oh, I love this shade and then just end up buying it again and again and again. And yeah, I just wanted to not do that anymore. And there wasn't an application that was like that. And so, yeah, I ended up going to bootcamp and boot camp rather and learning how to code. And I ended up building that application and managing my, my makeup pretty, pretty well for like a week until, you know, the whole, the whole process of being in that bootcamp though was just very much I like this better than bartending. I like this better than, you know, dealing with drunk people for many, many hours at a time. So yeah, it was just so lovely. And yeah, I, that's how I started. <laughs> Do you, I mean, was there a, a point where did you have to leave your, your job to, to do that? Was that a, a pretty much a full-time program? Yeah, yeah I ended up working on coding just between 40 to 60 hours every week. So it was a full-time plus job. I also left the city that I was living in, which I was living in Orlando at the time, and moved to St. Petersburg for the full three months of the program. And yeah, so I only got to see people who were coding. I only got to talk to other people who were coding. I lived, breathed, and ate coding, and that was it. So yeah, I... That was, that was a lot of time spent on just coding. <laughs> that sounds like a huge commitment. I mean, was there any hesitation of just of diving into a new, new thing like that? Yeah, there was a bit. I, I know that before I even started coding, I did go to a, a meetup 
in Orlando and was very put off just because I was definitely one of two women. I was for sure the only black person. And like, I mean, there probably was another uh, Latina, but other than that, it was, it was really just very not welcoming. And as far as people go, however, I ended up being really interested in like very like, oh, that's so exciting before anything, right? So like, I essentially it was just like, oh, this is really cool. And it really kind of made me want to go into coding more because I thought the subject matter was really interesting and very cool. So yeah, and I don't know if that answers the question. <laughs> no, it does. It does. And you know, I, I really think of you as a pioneer because I, I looked at the numbers before we got on the show and I know there's been a lot of improvements in diversity and it still has a long way to go. You know, black people make up 5%, women make up 25%. So, and that's the improved numbers. I mean, when you probably first started much worse than that. So in many ways, you're carving a path that not many people have traveled and you're making it a lot easier for others to see and demonstrate that it's possible. Well, I, I really hope that that's the case. I, I mean, one day I, I, aspire to be an engineering manager for other people. And I would love to have like, you know, people who are like, wow, I've never had like a black manager and I've never had a Latina manager. Like that's like super freaking cool. Right. Like I would love to bring other people on and like let people see that, like, you know, it doesn't matter what you look like, like you can do the things or where you came from even. Right. So like if, a former bartender could code, like, let's all do it, right? Like, if you want to do it, let's do it. Let's go. <laughs> well, that's super inspiring. And I guess I'll have to, you know, hit you back up in a year or two when you can come back on the show as a first, you know, black man. <laughs> <on the team. laughs> you know, I want to pivot maybe into your job a little bit. I know that you have a, a, a big interest in usability and design but you also write code. And so there's kind of this style of work that you have. And, and I imagine that people's time and how they interact with the application comes into play. Like maybe tell us how you think about usability and, and design and, and time. And yeah, how absolutely. Goes. So the kind of intersection between design and usability ends up being accessibility, which I've really found out in the past couple of years that that's really where my passion lies is usability and accessibility as it pertains to design, if that makes sense. And I think mm -hmm. that the way that we use our time here is a little maybe mismanaged, right? So like a lot of people see design and usability separate entities or they'll say, okay, well, developers are not designers and designers are not developers. There's no cross, right? And I like to say, well, I mean, honestly, fuck that. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird. Uh, sorry for cursing. I don't know if that's bad. <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine. We just changed the rating oh, okay, of the show great, to Perfect, end. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like it's I think we can all learn from each other, whether you're back end, front end, you're, you know, designing APIs, you know, really focusing on creating logos and or even like email campaigns, right? Like we all work together for a reason because we're all trying to create a usable experience for our customers, right? So 
if we spend the time to actually learn how to work together and do those things where we have that crossover, it's going to help everybody. And it's really going to help your customers in the end. So I think taking that time to actually do the things correctly and making sure that you are loving on the other people around you is really just like the best way. And I, I don't know if that answers the question, but yeah. Uh. <laughs> no, I, th- I think it does. You know, I think, you know, a lot of that intersection that you're talking about, you know, it's, it, it is more than just, you know, I think the engineer side of you probably says, well, when I click the button, you know, the closest part of usability to the code is like, how quickly does it resolve the action that I'm trying to do? And that's probably very small. Like most people can't handle something not doing something for a second, right? When they click a button. But then if like, maybe it does take a second and you have some sort of, you know, you probably have some design tricks to make things seem more responsive than they are. But if the expected action didn't occur, there's frustration there and that probably increases exponentially given the amount of time. So I'm just curious, like, how do you guys like measure frustration, happiness, you know, length of time to complete an action? Like, are those things that can you track those things or do you just kind of have to experience it as you design it? For sure. I say that like your newest team member is your best team member. And I know that sounds like people really hate that when I say that because they're like, I mean, they don't know anything, which is like, yes, that's, that's, that's exactly why they're amazing, right? They know nothing about our product. Oh, excuse me. So like, that's the person who's just like, I don't know why I clicked this and this didn't work. And you're like, oh, you weren't even supposed to click that. That's amazing. Like, let's figure, like, let's figure it out. Right. And so, yeah, doing that, right. Like making sure that you are pair programming with your newest uh, programmer, regardless of their like status, right? Like they could be a principal engineer or they could be a junior engineer. Pair programming with literally everyone who is new is key to learning new things about your product, right? So that kind of helps with time. So you see like, okay, this, it took them, you know, roughly around 20 seconds to actually get to the goal of this page. Why did it take them 20 seconds? Like this entire page should take less than five seconds. So that that kind of thing is really, really helpful as well as usability sessions. And I feel like every really good team that I've ever been on has had usability sessions in some form or another. Uh, So designers that take time to talk to customers and say, well, how do you feel about this? And can you show me how you would create this thing using our product? And measuring that time, as well as measuring like what kind of clicks they're like, what kind of things they're interacting with, uh, really helps with understanding as both a designer or as a dev, what is actually going on and how to make the experience better for your user. Yeah, I think that that was very well stated because, right, a very naive approach is to to just say, well, every click's got to be less than so and so, you know, half a second or whatever response. I like the way that you said it was, no, it it doesn't really. It's their goal. Like whatever the end user's goal is, it doesn't matter how fast you respond to the clicks or whatever. If it takes them that amount of time, that's how slow your system is. It's Mm -hmm. not how slow it responds to a particular you know action. So I, I love the more holistic approach and makes a lot of sense. Is there anything in particular you're proud about where you've saved 
the user, you know, a lot of time and, and really just kind of shifted a paradigm on a feature or some usability thing? I'm not sure. <laughs> I feel like everything, this is, and this is the dev in me. I feel that everything I do is trash. Like it's already like outdated. So <laughs> it's, it's already terrible. So I'm not sure, but I mean, there are things that like I get really excited about with developer experience, which is something that I do as well, right? Like, so I like to create component libraries. It's kind of, it's almost, it's something that I've done almost at every single job that I've been at since I've been a developer and uh, watching, like being able to like watch a component library be useful to a developer and save them time. That's pretty like exciting to me. Like, uh, you know, just seeing that someone decides to use a link instead of a button because they see that, you know, the link is better than using a button and it's more usable and more accessible and it's actually going somewhere. It's just like, oh, I'm so excited they used a link, right? Or they share components with each other. And so they'll say, hey, you know, there's this really cool table that we use in this situation. Let me send it to you. And like every time I see that, I'm like, it's saved. Like think about all of the time that has been saved for that one developer to create, instead of creating, you know, spending an entire sprint creating a brand new table. There's already a table made for them and they could just plug and play. And it's, ah, I love it. That makes me really happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, and I can even imagine, you know, as that library gets more adopted across, you know, applications, if you started it with, you know, something that um, was already existing, the users probably, I mean, there's probably microseconds of time, but it adds up if you're clicking buttons the same you know, all the time every day. But I mean, I can imagine like recognizing like, oh, this is a drawer. This is a button. This is a cancel action. And like the, those little bits of time to figure out like, you know, cognitively, like what, what, what does this UI mean is probably reduced greatly by having that, that consistency. So that's really cool. And I know we're getting in like the audience here is not software engineers. They're probably like, what the hell are they talking about? But I, I'm with you. I get you. I get you. So I'd love to maybe transition to some of your community work. I mean, you, you know, you, you have a podcast. I know you do a ton of stuff in the community. You know, first, I'd like to hear like what made you so ambitious to want to do all of these things on top of a full-time job. And then, you know, just how, how you've managed to find the time to do it. Because I feel like a lot of people just go to work and that's all they come home and they just want to relax and that's all they can do to do to do to take on any of these things let alone multiple of these projects can seem overwhelming so how do you sort of fit that all into 24 hours um, or less considering you have to sleep <laughs> uh, unfortunately um yeah so a lot of it it stemmed from actually trying to find a job my very first dev job so you know we have like a Slack group here called Orlando Devs. And, you know, as soon as, you know, I graduated, actually before then, just slightly before I started being in that Slack channel and saw, you know, peers of mine, like, right, other junior developers at the time, like not be able to find jobs, right? And that was so terrifying to me, especially because I was you know, thinking about completely pivoting and not bartending anymore. And I actually, side note, totally did a bartending like gig uh, a week after I graduated and hated it. I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. It was, and so, yeah, like I was, I was really 
really kind of put off by it. And I was like, how do how do I not only help the juniors that are in my community, right? Help other people like me, but also learn and get a job, right? Because that's really the end goal is get that job, right? And so that's what started it. So initially my goal, uh, so I started a junior developer group where essentially all we were doing is like either doing homework or like learning how to like do things, right? Like how how does React work or how does this other framework work or, you know, what is a unit test? Things like that. And so it was essentially just a study group and then it got bigger and bigger, right? So instead of just doing the study group, it was going to the meetups, right? So I would go to a meetup and then go to a study group and then it just kind of uh, went on from there. And I realized that a lot of my passions lie with other people. So because I was a bartender and other reasons, right? Like just my human nature, I am a people person. I really like being around people and uh, development is not really people focused a lot of the times, right? So I needed human interaction in some way, shape or form to feel like I was being useful as a human being. And so this was helpful for me to be able to say, okay, not only am I learning and growing, but I'm also, you know, helping my community and talking to other people. And so that was a priority for me is helping other people and making sure that other people were learning and growing too. Yeah, that that's essentially how I, I did that. Like that's how it started. But time management, it's, it's a priority for me, right? Like learning how to code was a huge, huge thing, right? And it took a lot of my time and it was a priority, right? So like I moved to a different city to learn how to code and that was my only focus. But after I learned kind of the bare minimum, I knew that what I had to do like was to continue to build in a community, in a community that I wanted to be in, that I wanted to work in and that I wanted to see other people grow. And so that is always top of my priority, right? So even like before learning more frameworks, right? Even before like learning new things, if I am helping other people grow, like I am also learning in the process. And I'm also making sure that my community is better, right? So my community being better means that we're all better together, right? How, how, how could you not, you know what I mean? Like, how could you not make that a priority? Like it's beneficial for not just you, but everyone around you. Like that's, I don't know. I think that's really cool. Like you're all great together. Like you, it's not good to not be great together. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're, you're, what you're answering about even the time management aspect is I'm kind of reading between the lines, I think is, you know, basically you're saying it's about prioritization, right? You can only mm-hmm. do so many things. So how you get things done is by choosing your priorities carefully. I know people that have said they wanted to get into the software engineering industry, but they they didn't do what you did and leave a full-time job and be like, no, this is my number one priority. I'm going to do this. They tried to sort of ease their way in and sort of feel it out um, without like fully fully committing. And I think that that's the, that's the key difference, right? Is really identifying that it is a priority and not just sort of trying to do a bunch of different things haphazardly. I think the other thing that I, I feel like and let me know if, if if this is accurate or if I'm totally making this up. But it feels like you, you've chosen these additional activities that give you more energy to be around people, to interact with them, that align with passions of yours so that 
you don't need to, you know, Netflix and chill every night for th for three or four hours to like get over your job. Like, you know, you these other things fill up that same time, but but kind of do the same thing for you in your mind and, and, and kind of address those other other uh, things that you want to have. Yeah, absolutely. I also play roller derby. And so like roller derby is, is it, very helpful <laughs> to like decompress. And that is also something that I make sure is a priority. So like, I know that I'm going to like practice roller derby four times a week, even though practice, I only practice technically right with the team twice a week, but I build in two extra practices because I know I want to be better at roller derby. So if I build that in to my day, I put it on my calendar um, and make sure, okay, Fridays from 5.30 to 8 o'clock, I'm at this place at this time, and these are the drills that I'm working on. And then on Sundays at this place at this time, I'm going to be doing a 10-mile trail skate, and that's what helps me you know, do those things. I can block out time for other things, right? So I can say, okay, cool. I have my, what is it, two, four, six, nine hours of roller derby or skating every week, right? So cool. That's like what I need to put in. And then I have my job, right? And let's be serious. No one is working eight hours a day. It's just not happening. Not one single person actually works eight hours a day. So in those times that you're taking a break that, you know, you've put in your PR, that you've, you know, done whatever, right? Like that's when I'm going to take the time to be like, okay, I have five, 10 minutes. Let me check up on, you know, my friend who is trying to look for a job, right? Or let me check up on this situation, right? So like I, I have, I guess, priorities that I, I need to go through and they start off like the biggest priorities come first, right? Like my job, uh, being roller derby, I really like roller derby. And then any community commitments that I have to keep, those come first, period, point blank. And then every everything else kind of slots its way through. If it falls through the cracks, it falls through the cracks. And I can't beat myself up for it because that's when burnout happens. And that has happened to me before, right? Where I took on way too much community involvement and completely burnt out and didn't want to do community effort anymore. I wanted to be alone and not talk to people. So yeah, that finding that balance now was kind of what's helped recently uh, in the past like year or two, maybe. So. Yeah. So it sounds like you, you know, you've, you've implemented time blocking, you sort of architected your week in a way that, you know, addresses those priorities that you have, but without creating, you know, burnout and not being realistic. And I love the way that you, you know, talk about why I kind of describe that as interstitial time, right? It's these weird moments where you're waiting in line, you could go, you, you could scroll through social media, or you could actually like post that event, or you could actually like send that email or something like that, right? Yeah. So yeah, I think that's those, those are all super, I, 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 you know, love to hear, you know, how other people use those techniques. It's really Really For cool. sure. I mean, and to be fair, uh, social media is part of my community involvement, right? So making sure that I'm checking up on people that I care about. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram because I don't feel that those are reaching out to actual communities. But with Right. And that's what I'm yeah. talking. No, no one actually has to be on TikTok. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, Unless you're an influencer, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. Like as a weird like situation, side note, I did just recently download TikTok because I'm giving a talk this weekend 
on how to create more accessible like user interfaces and how that like translates to having a more diverse and inclusive workplace, but through the power of like TikTok dances. So I only like <laughs> learned how to like do these TikTok dances by downloading TikTok. So that's a separate thing. Oh, man. I know it's, oh, it's, oh. <laughs> But um, as if you couldn't add add more to the unicorn persona, <laughs> right? Roller derby and random TikTok, TikTok dance influencer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I I will not absolutely not be a TikTok influencer. I it, that seems like so much work. I just want to learn the dances really quick so I can give a talk. But yeah, no, it's choosing your social media makes sense too, right? So for me. Facebook and Instagram and even TikTok is a doom scroll, right? You're going to just be scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and like hating yourself and not actually communicating with anybody, at least in my, like in my experience. So I use Twitter, which can also be really terrible for some people. But for me, like I make sure that I curate it and I'm talking to the people that I care about, right? So, or the people that I admire, so making sure that I'm talking to people who are in accessibility, who are in, who do usable work, who are creating like awesome stuff. I want to talk to those people, but I also want to talk to people who are looking at me and saying, Hey, how did you get this? How did you do that? Right? Like I want to make sure I build them up and I do that through DMS for sure. DMS is absolutely how to get to make sure that your friend Susan or your friend Bob or your friend like Pradeep is is going to be able to do the things that they aspire to do as well. So I love that. Yeah, that's honestly that's like a time saving tip right there <laughs> is to is the way you use social media, right? Like it doesn't everything doesn't have to be like a post and a comment. It can it can actually be a communication tool, right? With yeah. your, your extended network. Well you know, thank you so much for just sharing everything about your journey and, and how you look at things. Again, I, I think you've only validated the, the unicorn mental image that I have of, of you and all the things that you do. Is there anything, you know, before we sign off that you'd like to share with the audience? I'll definitely put your social handles and things like that in the show notes. But is there is there anything else that you'd like to tell the Yes, I say hands down, get a planner and live by that planner. I don't know if that's okay to say, but Oh no, yeah. What 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 do you have a recommendation like what kind of a planner do you like? Yeah, uh, so I initially started off with Happy Plan because I thought that I was like, "Oh, I'm going to make it super girly and effeminate and it's going to be super awesome and that didn't work." So I I ended up getting Rifle Paper Company planners and they're very minimal. They do have like some cool stuff in the back, right? But uh, they're very like it has check boxes and just simple lines for each day and then a motivational quote at the top. And the cool thing about that is it keeps you from having distractions and it also keeps you on task. So it's almost like a to do list. So you can check things off for yourself and put goals at the top and say, hey, these are my goals for this week. I should be able to accomplish these goals this week. And that's my favorite. And I think. This is, that's by far my most loved time-saving tip is that planner. Get yourself a planner with minimal distractions in it. <laughs> I love it. Well, you, you guys heard it here. So thanks again for joining us. And, uh, you know, we really appreciate your time. And I'm super looking forward to, you know, continuing to follow your journey and hopefully having you back on the show in the future. Yay, thanks so much for having me. This has been a blast. 
Hey folks, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like the show and like others to hear about it, it really helps us out if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the number one way other listeners find the show. Thank you for listening. And remember, life is how you choose to spend your time. Please use it wisely.